Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're excited to have Michael and Christy from the MandoCast and Sabres and Spells and, I wow, a lot of other podcasts that I can't name all right now. Uh, Michael and Christy, welcome back to the show. Hey. Hey. Welcome back. It's been a little while. We're excited to have you on talking Clone Wars. It's been, uh, yeah. it's been so cool to have the show back. You know, I have to say, it's it really is great for us all to be together again. It's just such a <laughs> wonderful feeling. Um, by the way, I mean, Tom, what, yes. what episode were we reviewing this week? Well, the funny thing is, you did bring up the title Together Again, which happens to also be a title of a song, old one. But in this case, it happens to be the title for Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 8, titled Together Again, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva written by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray. In this episode, this synopsis reads, Ahsoka begins, or bargains, wow, for the sister's freedom and makes a startling discovery. With the Jedi fortune cookie, you can change who you are, but you cannot run for your from yourself. Yes, very uh, on-the-nose fortune cookie, I would say, uh, mm-hmm. for, for this episode. Before we dive into it, uh, uh, curious, Michael and Christy, what what are your overall thoughts on the return of the Clone Wars so far, uh, <coughs> the arc or the or the or this arc or the Bad Batch, uh, since we haven't had you on the previous episodes? I was absolutely thrilled. I'm sure, like all of us were, for Clone Wars to come back for another season, and especially to get to continue on new stories from where we left off with the last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far. I think our favorites for both of us in this season have been the Bad Batch arc. And then we had some nuggets here and there that we enjoyed in the Ahsoka arc. Yeah. uh, Michael. Yeah. I was going to say, I I really enjoyed the Bad Batch arc. I mean, I even, you know, one of the things that to me, uh, because I I really enjoyed, um, I believe it was shinies Mm. back where we first met in 99. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it was awesome that they did that homage to him. Um, of Clone Force 99. Yeah, and, yeah. and I... Um, so I, I don't know. I just I really enjoyed that and then a lot of the... Uh, you know, some of the other subtle things and stuff uh, that they did. And, you know, like I'm curious, um, you know, where where Echo and, and some of the uh, the Bad Batch is going to end up once we see um you know order 66 happen because you know like i I, i'm curious it's like would they even have the the chips in their heads you know and like i mean because the thing is like maybe they had them but they they weren't worked or whatever because you know Mm -hmm. they have these different mutations and stuff so i don't know I'm, i'm just curious to see how it all plays out me that's a great question i i wonder how much of 
Like, because the Clone Wars had so many different stories. How how many of those stories are we going to see wrapped up in the final arc? I suspect mm-hmm. probably it's mostly going to be Ahsoka and Rex, uh, and and kind of how they tie into the events of Revenge of the Sith, and and obviously uh, maybe Maul's story somewhat. Um, what 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 do you guys think? Well, I think at some point they're going to have to tie Ahsoka and Rex at least getting themselves toward Rebels because that's where they're both going to appear. Um, I think the fascinating part is going to be, let's say, Echo because he was part of a machine for a long time, and he's you know he can he can integrate with anything. I find it fascinating if he would know that there's an actual chip in his head or not, if it's that type of chip that he can actually figure it out, and maybe he tells the Bad Batch and they take it out. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I, I just... something I was curious to ask all of you as well, especially about this episode together again, mm-hmm. because we all were kind of predisposed to knowing um, that Anakin was going to come back into this with Ahsoka. Um, this this episode title <laughs> made me think this was the time that was going to happen. See, I thought so too. I, I okay, thought, it wasn't I, just I, me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't, no, it wasn't just you because I think I brought it up even in uh, last week's episode that I call it about the Mandalorians in the episode before, but I had a feeling coming into this episode, we would see her leave to go to Mandalore. But I also had a feeling that at some point we would see maybe Anakin appear in this episode. So that way the story wise, it would lead better going into the final four. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's not the case. It is fascinating to see how these episodes all play out with how much we know about the future. Right. Like, even just in terms of Ahsoka's personal arc, like, we know so much from how she shows up in Rebels. We know a bunch from the Ahsoka novel. Uh, it just, it, it makes it play out in such a weird way where, like, you kind of know the story beats, but you also, like, maybe they switch it up or things change around a little bit or... Yeah. All right, it makes for a very interesting viewing experience. That's a great point, because think about, like, when the episode was originally was originally, you know, concepted and in, 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 in the first draft was written, because obviously they changed the arc a decent amount. Um, but when it was first written, we didn't know Ahsoka's fate. We didn't have Rebels. We didn't have the Ahsoka novel. Mm-hmm. We didn't have all of these places where she's popped up. Uh, we didn't really know what was going to happen to her. And so I think that it may have even had a little more, been a little more tense. Like, you know, there was, we didn't really know, would she die in, during the siege of Mandalore? And, and that would help, turn Anakin or would she you know or would she survive I mean there were all these speculate all the speculation we had way back seven years ago um and and now we go into this knowing her story it's a very different way of watching the episodes and I, th- I don't think they're gonna be they're still gonna be exciting they won't be any less exciting but it right. is a very different way of of going into the story well I I think when it comes to these episodes, and I know I, I prefaced it last week, and I'll bring it up again, I think what we're seeing here is we're kind of seeing her, yes, it's a walkabout, but we're kind of seeing, like, I, I want to say it's a parallel to what Kanan Juris, um, Kanan Doom, actually went through. When he had to experience the Order 66 episode, he lost his master. He had to figure out his way in the world. He had to figure out, you know, how can I strike that balance of being a, a good person, but not going down and being, like, you know, a total scoundrel? And still stick up for the little guy, but also protect myself from not, you know, showing that I'm a Jedi. Ahsoka's the same way. And I think when this episode, when it came to Trace and Rafa, I mean, it's it's her it's her walkabout. It's her to try and figure out how she's going to be. And even in this episode, we know she even considers herself she's not a Jedi anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, Kanan actually got to a certain point to where for the longest time, yes, he was not a Jedi anymore, but when he got into Rebels, he ended up being the Jedi at that certain point. But now we got to see why and how going into Rebels, of why Ahsoka is not and considers herself not a Jedi anymore. And I think, yes, these episodes are how they are, but we've also known going into Clone Wars, they've had those very soft episodes to where they just want to tell a story and then everything starts hitting the fan again for the next episodes sadly these these four are sticking out because these are only 12 episodes mm-hmm. yeah you're right if it was a longer is, season it would probably it would probably work better this is classic clone wars you know they, they like to experiment with different kinds of stories and i think think it's this this storyline is essential for ahsoka's character development again we, mm-hmm. we, we couldn't just mm-hmm. go into the seat as much as we all want the siege of mandalore to be all 12 episodes you know or that level of, of story um had we done that, I think it would have felt weird given that the last time we saw Ahsoka, she was leaving the Jedi. Uh, and there needed to be some time for her to kind of process her decision to to think about what to do. And really, that's what this this whole arc, and especially this episode, comes down to. Is you know, As the Jedi fortune cookie says, Ahsoka has to realize that she may have left the Jedi, but she's, she's still a Jedi at heart. And mm-hmm. there are people who need her out there and people she can help. And, you know, while I, I would say it may not be uh, overall my favorite way of going about that, I, I really in, I still enjoyed the arc for what it was. And I, I loved the um, the the way there they start to we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode, but the way they start to tie in uh, the different crime syndicates and we get more of the pikes, especially now that having mm-hmm. having seen solo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I thought that was pretty cool. And and right. it was, it was. It's nice how they start to lead into siege of, siege of Mandalore in this episode. I think our speculation last week. Last week we were speculating that oh, our you know Anakin Ahsoka going to get reunited in this episode, and what will happen to Trace and Rafa. A lot of our speculation was way off. <laughs> right. Um, oh, totally. But it still leads in probably more than any other. That's uh, not true. I guess there were some arcs that led into each other, but this one. You know, it was still does a, a fairly nice job tying into the the siege of Mandalore and, and, and at least giving us justification for why Ahsoka is going, uh, mm-hmm. so they don't have to spend that time um, explaining that next week. Right. So. So, what was your speculation about where they were going to go with that? Uh, try, and so a lot of it was. I'm trying to remember. Um, I think we we thought. Uh, I keep wanting to say Satine, and that's not right. Why am I blanking on her name? Oh, Bo-Katan. Thank you. Not a problem. Uh, I think we were speculating that Bo-Katan was going to take a more active role in breaking mm-hmm. them out of the prison. Um, mm. was one of the big pieces that we ended up being completely wrong about. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's, that's the main one that I remember. Yeah, and I think it, we thought they would, she'd get reunited with Anakin, which we, we mentioned briefly earlier. We thought that Bo-Katan and Ursa Wren, which I, I have to say I love seeing Ursa Wren involved yep. as well it's a great tie into rebels again one of those nice things that we wouldn't have gotten um if this episode was made seven years ago and i actually i i'm starting to think ursa ren may play a very large role in the siege of mandalore as well um it's so actually that uh, okay this brings up an interesting point that i'm but, i'm very curious to see and so i if i recall correctly dave filoni's been uh, listed as a writer for every one of these episodes thus far right uh, yeah so far and 
And we know, at least in some of those cases, that's because Dave came back in and did a quick rewrite or tweaked some pieces here and there uh, for the episode. And so, for example, in this one, you know, including Ursula, Ursula, uh, <laughs> wow, um, including company, Ursula, wrong division. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a clear example. Another good one is when Maul, spoiler, uh, mentions Crimson Dawn because I don't think Crimson Dawn was a thing at that no. point in time, right? So cool. So it's. One of the things of, hey, like we've got an opportunity to let's tweak Maul's line slightly and we can bring attention to, you know, and tie it back into Solo or whatever it might be. Um, but those are all very easy changes to make where, you know, you introduce a couple, maybe a sentence of dialogue. Maybe it's not even that much. Maybe you just need to tweak a word here and there and then you can make it work. Um, introducing a character who's going to play a key role is generally a much harder thing. Right. Um, so I'll be very curious to see if Ursa plays a larger role in um, Siege of Mandalore because that's I'd be really impressed if they're able to work it in that way. My suspicion is they took another background Mandalorian and just renamed her, or and and brought in uh, ah. they and and they probably brought in um, oh shoot, what's her name? Um, uh, the voice uh, actress who played uh, Ur- Ursa Wren, um, uh, Shamila Devar. Shamila Devar. I'll bet they brought her in to voice the character and and just renamed a background Mandalorian. One of the top ones that are... I don't know. What, what do you think, uh, uh, Michael, our our resident no, Mando cast host? Yes. Uh, any any thoughts on um, uh, how big a role Ursa Ren will play in the Siege of Mandalore? Uh, honestly, I, I don't think it's... Well, I don't know, because we know that she gets sort of set up. Um, uh, I mean, if, if I'm remembering correctly, in Rebels, she gets set up being more of like the head of uh, the Mandalorians, right? Am I wrong in thinking that? Well, at least clan she's the head of her own, right? own clan. Okay, so at yeah. least when the high... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, she. I think she might play somewhat... Of a, I, I don't know. I, I think she'll be a side character. I don't. I think that you know, Bo-Katan will be much more of the the focus. Um, you know, she she may get like a few lines and stuff, but I think that as far as having any sort of like relevant character development stuff, I think that they'll keep that more with uh, Bo-Katan. Mm. Yeah. I, again, I, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much what they'll do. Just replace a background character with her, so that they can tie into Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nice thing is, at least to your point, Stephen, um, you know, Dave Filoni knew what the Siege of Mandalore was going to be, so I don't think they have to change many story beats uh, in the the big moments in Siege of Mandalore because the yeah. all, all, Rebels and everything else was based on that story, even though we never saw it. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll be okay there. Um, but. I'm very curious to see what kind of questions they answer. Also, apparently, Death Watch is officially gone. So we're talking about the Mandalorians. Um, you know, we we know that uh, you know Death Watch kind of split up into um, Bo-Katan's half and Maul's uh, 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 Mandalorian Super Commandos half. Um, but knowing what we know now about Din Djarin being rescued by Death Watch. Uh, in one of the flashbacks in the Mandalorian, uh, I, I wonder which half of the clan rescued him. Wow, I, I think it's 
I think it's got to be Bo-Katan's half because if mm. you think about the people that would have been left mm-hmm. once Maul was there that didn't go with Bo, I don't think that those people would be the group that would care about rescuing anyone else. Yeah, and I do feel like um, the Mandalorian... I, sorry, I'm blanking at his name again because we heard it in one episode. Was it Din? Din Jaren, yeah. Thank you. Like his morals seem much more in line with, um, you know, Bo-Katan and Cruz than the kind of mall side of things. Mm. Um, I have trouble imagining. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of time in between there, obviously, but it's, I have trouble imagining him being part of the Mandalorian super commando side. Yeah. But I think what we're all waiting for is this is probably going to be the tie in to saying how, Bo-Katan then relates to season two of the Mandalorian and how the dark saber got there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And oh. I've already, I've already seen at least cause I follow Katie Sackhoff. Katie Sackhoff would love to be part of the Mandalorian. Yeah. I know there's rumors we'll that she's in season two as well, but yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, I've said from uh, pretty much that last episode, she, you're going to see her in season two yeah. um, because she, so she actually posted uh, it was a tweet and I think there was an image with it that was kind of vague back when they were shooting. Mm-hmm. And at that time, now this was before the, that final episode. And at that point, a lot of people were like, wait, are you saying you're in the Mandalorian? And she never responded. Um, but a lot of people put together, Hey, this could be Mandalorian. And, you know, they're, we know that they're filming season two right now. Um, and then all of a sudden we see Death Watch show up and we see the uh, Darksaber show up. And, and then I was like, yeah, that's that's what's happening. Yep. <laughs> she's going to be in the Mandalorian. So I, I'm calling it like she's going to be in, in season two. Maybe. I think, I, I think we'll right. see. I think you're right. We'll see. But I, so. I think a lot of people want it. But but I think what we need to do is we need to get into the actual episode we're here to talk about. Sorry. Yep. No, 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 it's okay. Because actually, no, this this has been, honestly, this has been a great conversation because we, we've covered an awful lot of ground speculating on the next part of this. But we still have to get into how is Ahsoka, Trace, and Rafa going to get off or get out of being um, captured and get to where they're going to be at the end of the episode where they, and we've already spoiled it, she meets Bo-Katan and then goes off to the, uh, the, the Caesar Mandalore. So, yeah, fun conversation we had, though. I didn't want to break it up because it was totally great. Yeah. And to, and to be fair, you know, it does it does tie into some of what we hear at the at the end of the episode yeah. as well. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I'm very interested. I, I wish the I wish we'd gotten a little more of Bo-Katan and um, Ursa Ren in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, I also get why they want to have. Uh, maybe it was too early to have the Mandalorians involved in rescuing uh, Ahsoka, Trace, and Rafra from the the Pikes. Well, maybe maybe uh, the point uh, maybe the point of writing this episode was to have Ahsoka basically, <coughs> you know, use her wits to get her out of the situation, you know, with with Trace and Rafa. Because it's funny how when you're watching the episode, Rafa actually blamed Ahsoka for trying for convincing trace to drop the spice. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at that going, all right, well, let's see if you're, you're trying to write a character like this, how is Ahsoka going to handle something like that? 
how is that character going to handle and and move forward? You know, where it's like, you know what, where Ahsoka's just sitting there saying, it really wasn't me, and, and we all know it wasn't her. It was just Trace being just just it was a reactive reactive thing, just to dump it. But you know, it's it's just think of it as the writers putting a character in a situation to see how they're going to get out of it. And then I yeah. think when it came to this episode, that's exactly how they're treating Ahsoka. Yeah, I think how they got out of it, um, the way that that was written was interesting. It just, I don't know about you guys, but like we were kind of frustrated that it feels like Trace and Rafa could have been great characters, but all they do is fight. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that's a lot of the story that you see over this arc of four episodes is mm-hmm. the two of them bickering when you could be telling a more compelling story about them and their family. Yeah, and I, I will say, I felt like this was the most, the best episode for the two of them, I would say. Like, other than the introductions, which I think were okay. Um, I And this kind of goes to your point, Tom, of like how they actually get out of this. Mm-hmm. Right. The episode picks up exactly where the previous episode ended and also where the previous episode began where they're all in prison. Um, and so I just, I really appreciated that, you know, like, and we, we can get into the specific details in a little bit, like after Roth and Trace get away, it is nice to see their, them actual have care. Like they go through character growth. They decide that, Nope, like Rafa, who's been fighting with Ahsoka this entire time says, Nope, we're going to go back and try and figure out how to get her out. Mm-hmm. And I, I but kind of, do was, they though? Well, they tried. Uh, I mean, they tried. The reasoning is she doesn't want Ahsoka to be right. So I disagree. I don't think that there was any development there. Uh, I'd call it development. Whether it, uh, I, I would be careful to call. Like, I don't know that Rava redeems herself in any way, shape, no, or form. No, she does not. But I, I do think it's whether the reasoning is what uh, the correct reasoning or not. I do think mm-hmm. she. Uh, is trying to do the right thing in a way that she can justify to herself. If I guess that makes sense. Um, part, part of me okay, wonders, but, but, like, but look at, but look at the way she, look at the way she tried to solve the problem. Okay. Which was a very interesting idea. Let's go back, steal the spice that we're going to give back to somebody that we owe it to because it was their spice anyway, but we're going to steal it and we're going to take it back to them. <laughs> I mean, Rafa is not necessarily. I, I liked the idea, Rafa, but Rafa's not necessarily for her, her 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 smartest plans. Um, but I I do I almost wonder, you know, was she was that her excuse, right? Because I, I she starts to kind of warm up to Ahsoka a little bit in the episode. Mm-hmm. I, you know, as you mentioned, Stephen, she she initially like they get into a fight right on early on, and she actually, to my surprise, starts to change history and kind of blame Ahsoka for uh, for dumping the spice and but eventually she kind of realizes well ah- Ahsoka is the only one with a plan I kind of have to trust her right and then later she she actually sees what Ahsoka did to to save them right when they're we're talking to Mark Krim and Mark's like and, and, and Ahsoka's whole plan is to pretend to give up uh, to turn on the Martez sisters and, and and basically force them to to deliver the spice and go pick it up. Now, the spice is gone. They, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, Ahsoka knows that, Trace and Rafa know that, but Marg Krim doesn't. And so Ahsoka lies and says, yeah, 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 I'll stay here. You can torture me if they don't come back, but they have like basically 24 hours, one rotation to go get the spice and bring it back. And if they don't, if they run away, I'm going to turn in their parents as well. And you can go after their family. And 
Now, thankfully, Mark Krim is smart enough to know that that is also a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually really appreciated how how Marg was 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 smart enough to to know that. Um, but it seems to, to, to get it seems like when it comes to the Pikes, you can't pull anything over them. And also, I love that character. Oh yeah, how he's just so laid back. The character design, everything is just love the character. Sorry to interrupt. No, I I, I totally agree. But the the nice thing was that um, in addition to just Mark Krim not being duped so easily. Like, though, I, I, it was very obvious. Rafa knew exactly. As soon as Ahsoka started to lie there and, and make up mm-hmm. this whole story, Rafa knew and she played along. And the first time I watched it, I was like, I thought she maybe had been duped as well and, and actually thought Ahsoka was turning on them. But some dialogue later in the episode, and actually, if you watch her expressions in that scene, you can tell she's playing it up for Mark. Yep. And while Trace legitimately believes that Ahsoka has betrayed her. Uh, she she doesn't quite it does she doesn't get it, she doesn't she doesn't really realize that you know when Ahsoka said trust me a couple minutes ago this is mm-hmm. what she was talking about and and so part of me wonders um you know while while Rafa is claiming to Trace that she is doing this to so she doesn't owe Ahsoka anything um I almost wonder if that's just like trying to put on a more of a tough exterior. Because later on in the episode, she does talk about how she's never seen anyone, um, anyone give themselves up like that, it, it, the, or, or very rarely. Uh, and really, mm-hmm. it's a it's a reference to her parents, like her mom. We learned in the last episode would have done would have helped anyone like that, but she hasn't really seen anyone since her mom that would make that sort of sacrifice. And so I actually think that Rafa gets a newfound respect for Ahsoka. Now that starts to fall apart later when Ahsoka's identity is revealed. Um, but I, I do think we get a little bit of character development for, for Rafa there. And I just think she's putting on a tougher exterior. That's a good point it, because it could be that she was saying something different than she meant by saying, I just don't want Ahsoka to be right. She's trying to tell herself that's why she's doing it. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does kind of bug me though, how naive trace is to the entire situation. <laughs> <laughs> I, there were a bunch of sequences in this episode where I was a little um, frustrated. Is not even the right word. It's I'm, uh, I, I ran with it. I mean, and you you have to take the situation for what it is. You're watching an episode. You're enjoying it. You know, in your back of your head that you know this is what it is. You got you got to run with the, the situation. The the fight scene for them when they're trying to get the spice. Yeah, there was a couple instances in there where you're just like. Okay, you're going to go get the pipe. You're going to put it over the guy's head. Oh, it ended up bending on his head, and, and it didn't work the way. Oh, wasn't it? I Trace is similar to her not realizing in what is certainly the most obvious moment of the episode that, like, oh, clearly Ahsoka's lying. Mm-hmm. Trace doesn't realize that. Like throughout, the, and then especially like there are a couple parts of the fight scene where like Trace has what is clearly the easiest part of the fight of the two. Yes. Like Rafa's mm-hmm. out fighting a Mandal, uh, not a Mandalorian, a Trandoshan who's, you know, half again as tall as she is. And Trace has got the two short guys and is like somehow still like restrained and captured for a good portion of the fight. Like maybe just again though, I, uh, not, not to make uh, apologies for it, but I, I Trace is very young still. Uh, we don't really know exactly how old she is, but I get the sense she's like a teenager or, or you know, or, or maybe late teens. Um, 
I think she should be able to figure that stuff out. But it, on the flip side, it was kind of nice to see, like, again, a, a more of an unskilled fight um, where they they just, like, she, she's not she's not a fighter, you know? Well, mm-hmm. I, I, and I think at least when it came to Rafa, I understand the non-skilled thing. She was able to at least beat the Trandoshan with her wits because, as I mentioned, she's the one that took the pipe and tried to break it over her head. Uh, break it over his head. She also tried to do a, a a kick twice that didn't land. But when she got him on the platform, he had him. He had her over his head. She was at least with the street smarts to be able to get up above the platform and basically able to walk away from the fight. Yeah. And boy, when that Trandoshan on the platform like falls to his death. Oh, I hate to say it, that was pretty uh, cool. He anime. falls to his alleged death. We don't see uh, yeah. a body. Mm-hmm. We know yeah, we just see him fall it. very far, like waving, you know, waving his. Yeah, uh, there were clouds under there. Yeah, or you don't know. There could have been this uh, the, huge air mattress down there, or a big lake. Look, this is the plot of season two of Mandalorian. Is it's Rafa and Trace fending off against you know the Trandoshan. I don't Michael know where they come attack. from. Maybe they they were the Mandalorian the whole time. You don't know. Possible. <laughs> It was all a ruse. It was a dream. And, and one other thing, the uh, the guys that were on the, the platform that they were getting the spice from, mm. did you guys get the feeling that one of those characters sounded a little bit like Niku as well? Yep. I So the first time, I, I'm glad you said that, Tom. Thank when you. The, I, they first show up and they're over the radio, I'm just like, I swear, if that's Niku, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to close. <laughs> I was going to stop everything. I'm just going to give up on every life. Uh, thankfully, that was not required, but it was it was close. It was close. I mean, I ha- I have to give them credit. Those little aliens were really cool designs. I the have tombs. to give them that. It's it, it, Ben Quadraneros. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was okay. Guys, it took me it a while to dark, recognize okay? them. It, it took was on me a, a while. platform. They had helmets on. Yeah, it couldn't put the two to two together and make it look like Ben Quadraneros. Yeah, <laughs> the voice the voice is very distinctive. It I it just sounded. I'm I'm happy. I'm not the only one who thought it sounded like Nico. Or too close. Yeah. Oh, as soon as as soon as that the the foreman started talking, I was like, oh, that's that's Niku. And like th- they definitely played up the humor in this sequence more so than I think in the past few episodes. They really did. Uh, you know, I, in I, you know, in, in some ways it was kind of nice, and in other ways, I don't know, it maybe it was a little too much with like the the three tungs crashing into each other and running around and stuff. I did like though how the. Uh, how the foreman Josh Brenner's character is, you know, like Rafa's trying to lie to him about the story. Oh yeah, we're here for an emergency pickup and stuff. And he doesn't believe him. And so he eventually calls Rafa's bluff and brings it his manager, the trend trend ocean. But, um, but Rafa doesn't believe him. And, you know, of course the trend ocean ends up right behind her and, and stuff. Um, what th- thoughts on this whole sequence, Michael and Christy? I think that it certainly wasn't a bad plan for Rafa to try and work it the way she did. You know, um, Michael has always joked with me, if you act like you belong there, then people will believe you nine times out of ten. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so that's what Rafa was doing. She's like, you know, we have a, a pickup to make. Um ask your manager he'll vouch for us or whatever because she's assuming that there's probably no manager around or that they wouldn't care, but mm-hmm. it backfires on her. But I mean, really, most of the time, it there probably wouldn't be. I do wonder if, like, what are theoretically like hardened spice brokers and sellers are really the type of people you should attempt that strategy with. If that <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Like, 
I, you know, if you, I'm trying to think of a good example, and of course, you know, we're all sheltering in place, so grocery stores, the one thing comes up to mind, but like, if I walk into a grocery store and try and pull off a heist like that, like, maybe, like, you know, hardly, like, a location of hardened criminals trying to do business, but, like, these are people whose literal jobs is selling illicit substances on the black market, Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. not the right people to f- try and fool with the like, ah, you don't need to see my identification. Right. Not a nothing to worry Maybe. about here. You're saying okay, they that wouldn't could, let you load your car. Sorry, William, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen, you're saying they you would not let they would not let you load your car completely before the manager walked out to confront you? <laughs> yeah, um, um, yes, exactly. <laughs> it seems a little suspicious. And and I was going to point out that also shows the naivete that Ahsoka was trying to point out to Rafa mm-hmm. that you don't know what you're getting into and mm-hmm. you think you can handle this, but you've got Rafa thinking that she's got street smarts. Well, she might have the street smart street smarts on Coruscant with her laundromat and droid factory in the back. But in the bigger universe, this just goes to prove these two are not cut out for the kind of work that Rafa thinks they are. Mm-hmm. I did again appreciate the plan though. Like in some ways it's kind of brilliant uh, because it was a fun plan. Yeah. Cause like, you know, by the time the Pikes realized that the stolen spice is what they've been paid back with, they'd probably already be gone. Now the Pikes would probably still put a price out on their head. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know how great of a long-term plan it is, but short term, you know, it, it works fairly well. But if you look at it from the point of view of what happened, it was happening with the Soka back on the planet. And she was able to get out of being inside captivity. Well, at a certain point, let's say that they were able to pull this off and the planet, or at least the uh, um, area where they're at, did explode, but ended up happening. They probably would have forgotten about the spice anyway, and they could have been off scot-free. Yeah. Do, do you think um, Do you think Ahsoka meant... F- I, I don't think Ahsoka meant for them to come back. I think no. she meant for them to say it was like a permanent goodbye. Yep. I I think from from what from what I saw in the episode, I had a feeling Ahsoka. The whole thing was Ahsoka was basically giving them the out to run, because if they were never come back, they definitely know that if she were to give up the quote unquote parents, that was a dead end. They would never be able to find the parents. Okay, and then on top of that, Ahsoka, she was there just well, she was there, but it ended up that she was trying to figure out. <clears throat> excuse me. She, when she saw the conversation between um, the the Marge Krim and uh, Darth Maul, that ended up turning her mission to something completely different, other than trying to um, cover for the sisters. Yeah, yeah, and I very much took it as mm-hmm. Ahsoka knows she's. This is gonna sound weird. Like Ahsoka knows she's a Jedi. She knows that once she doesn't have to worry about the other two, she can just, you know, force uh, push buttons herself out of the prison cell and be on her way. Mm-hmm. It was purely the fact that, you know, Ahsoka would never be willing to leave uh, Rafa and Trace that was preventing her from escaping. Yeah. Right. And that yeah, she couldn't like either. it was sort of like Ahsoka was having to babysit them and they're constantly kids getting into trouble that don't understand what's happening. Um, and so, yeah, she was definitely trying to get them out of the way. Hence the saying, give them one rotation, like give them more time to get further away yeah. and then I can handle myself. Yeah. What, yeah. what, your, what are your thoughts on the way Ahsoka ended up handling herself and her, her whole escape and uh, adventure through the, 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 the Pike uh, fortress? 
Oh, I love that, especially now that she's got this jumpsuit outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it's very 70s mechanic jumpsuit. Never thought of it yeah. that way. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's like, you know, she's always been great at this kind of thing. You know, the being stealthy, I guess I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, although I was worried for a brief moment that Maul was going to see her, and he almost does when they're speaking, um, he and the Pikes. But I think that it's really interesting seeing her also end up not winning at everything again. You know, she's back to kind of the things that happened to her as a Padawan where she thinks that she's off scot-free and then gets overwhelmed again. Yeah. I I was going to say, I hang on a second. I got a question. Okay. So I know when it comes to holograms, they can see definitely what's in front of you, but please explain to me how a hologram can see something that's over a ledge down by a pipe to where there's so much different uh, uh, distance. I, I, I saw that and I'm like, I can understand with the force thing because you, you kind of had the feeling that it was mall sense, the force, there was something wrong there. I somehow just didn't buy the turn and the look over the ledge. Didn't it's buy interesting. It. Look, Tom, you just, you obviously just don't understand hologram technology. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I'm still tr- stuck in the 20th century. I know we're in the 20th yeah. century by now, but I'm still. No, stuck but it's, yeah. it's weird because if you like, if you assumed holograms works like TVs, which they don't, it actually makes sense. Like you point the video in a direction and if something's, you know, two miles in the distance, but happens to be on the video, then right. Sure. Theoretically you could see it. And theoretically that part I can understand if he was but, on a video screen, but holograms have always implied like, ah, Holograms magically know when, like, to they cut out. I don't know. That's you know one of those features where like you can cut the background out of your video. It knows it, exactly the person that it like is in focus and shows nothing else of the surroundings. It's just mm-hmm. a three D um, version. Of um, yeah, right. I'm trying to think mm. if there are any cases where you've seen the the background in a hologram. I guess there's been well, like the the two D videos that like you know. Um, that we see like Imperial officers using or, um, or, or even like when Queen Amidala talks to the trade Federation on those circular screens, but, but you're right. It's never been like, it's either been what the flat or, or it's been a three dimensional hologram of the person, not the, not the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had an epiphany though. Yeah. I okay. can't, be- I can't believe I didn't think of this before. What if it was actually not that he could see anything else, but because it was Ahsoka, he could sense her. See, that's like what I thought. It had more yeah. to do with their force abilities. That, that's kind of the feeling that I had. It was probably something like that. The episode's audio description just mentions that he just was turning to survey the engine room. Um, but I think the same the same thing applies where, you know, how, how, how could you see the engine room? That being yeah. said... With all of that, I did love. I, I liked the scene. I thought it was kind of cool. I, I um, thought it was great. Tech, tech yeah. aside, uh, I thought it was a really cool, uh, a really cool little moment where he starts to like glance down and she hides behind the, uh, the still again or the the whatever that metal thing was. I uh, and I, was I mean a, pipe. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna, I really appreciate as well. Uh, like Mark Cribb and his associate are after Maul disappears are having this line of like ah we don't need to take this kind of like abuse from all. And the Marg's like, do, do you want to go explain that to, you know, Darth Maul? Like, go for it. Please do. Mm-hmm. I will be happy to hire a new assistant when you're gone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
And, and that was kind of what I was thinking too. Like it, it reminded me of the scene from Solo where Kira is making up excuses for Maul, but you mm-hmm. can tell she's kind of squirming mm-hmm. that the Pikes have this same feeling of Maul. It's not like they're working together. It's like Maul is calling the shots and if you cross him, you're going down. So they're just, you know, going to agree with everything. Yeah. Well, I think Marg Mar- Krim's assistant even sat there and said that Maul was trying to pit one against the other within the syndicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I I, I love this dynamic, and I'm very interested to see, you know, where it, where they take this in Siege of Mandalore, because the at this point, uh, the Maul Shadow Collective is is still, is still active, it's still going, um, just. Oh, now I'm sorry. Now I'm just I'm sorry. as I'm talking, I'm just having this realization, so. We've been operating under the assumption that this takes place. I think last we heard, just like shortly. Sorry, I, I'm all of a sudden changing tactics for a, a, a second, changing topics. That's but, okay. Uh, we've been operating under the assumption that uh, Ahsoka's walkabout arc happens uh, shortly after she leaves the Jedi. So that would be in, you know, still in se- just early on in season six, basically, right after right after season five. Um, However, she goes off with Bo-Katan to Mandalore. I mean, I guess maybe she's on Mandalore for a little while before the next episode, but this this arc, in theory, takes place before the Bad Batch arc, uh, unless they change the 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 ordering uh, of it. But originally, this was supposed to happen just a couple weeks, days or weeks after she leaves the Jedi, in which case we would have had the after this, the Order 66 arc, the Clovis trilogy, the Disappeared mm-hmm. duology, the Yoda arc, Crystal Crisis on Utapau, then Bad Batch, Dark Disciple, Son of Dathomir, and then Siege of Mandalore. Um, See, so, and, and to a certain extent, I'm wondering, yeah, I, I almost get the feeling that it does feel like you're right. This should have happened before the Bad Batch episode, but there was a part of me thinking that maybe in reality, both episodes could have been running parallel to where we don't no technically or we do know kind of in the timeline of where this all happened but it just had that feeling that both of these were just running in parallel to each other bad batch was happening at the same time as ahsoka did her walkabout i'm guessing this happens first and uh, the honest answer is probably they know this isn't the arc to start off the return of the clone wars with absolutely yeah yeah like this would if this had been the first four episodes we'd watched uh I mean, not that I have access to the viewership numbers for Disney Plus, but I suspect Clone Wars season seven would not be doing nearly as well as it otherwise would be. Like Bad Batch is just a much stronger arc in general compared to I don't know the Ahsoka walkabout arc. I guess we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think you had to have the Bad Batch arc as a hook to pull people back in more initially and then you can kind of explore more maybe some different stories you'd like to tell in the the midst after that exactly yeah yeah and it'll be interesting to see like does ahsoka just stay on mandalore for a while uh before the siege of mandalore arc begins uh or does it happen immediately i don't know it'd be very interesting to uh to see um but because otherwise, maybe this arc has to span like I don't see how it could possibly span all the way from when she leaves the Jedi or shortly after she leaves the Jedi to right before the end of the series. But um, but either way, I, I think I, I kind of digressed a little bit. But the 
I loved how we get to see all of the the dynamic between the uh, the different aspects of the Shadow Collective, which are still around right now. The different different crime syndicates. Um, we get the Crimson Dawn reference, which is so cool in in the um, uh, in Son of Dathomir, the Son of Dathomir comic. I actually just went back and reread it yesterday, preparing for uh, the Siege of Mandalore next week, and. We we see obviously not not Crimson Dawn because they weren't written when the the comic was released, but they didn't exist. But all the other crime lords were kind of are kind of doubting Maul's uh, plan, and and they're definitely kind of trying to you know one up each other, and they're they're all in it for themselves unless Maul gives them a, a direct order. And so mm-hmm. it's really cool to see them all afraid of Maul. Like you know, Mark Krim is more worried about losing the spice because of what Maul is going to do to him than the, yeah. the monetary loss. And that's, it's cool. That just shows the power that Maul has. Yeah. I mean, they probably all realize that he's got force powers. They also realize that he can off you in a second. So of course you're going to be scared of the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Or because of how um, bitter and angry he constantly seems to be more than the rest of them, that he could possibly be into torturing people. That, that's very true, too. Just Maul something, cannot lighten up. Something tells me that the Pikes are no... Actually, no, wait a sec. We know they're no stranger to torture. That's a little bit the second... Uh, I guess the Yeah, they do that to episode. Rafa. Yeah. Yep. Just seems to be... It's part of the MO. That's what happens when you go into the spice business. And if Rafa had read the Spice Runner's manual, she would know that, too. <laughs> but... Well, I do have to say one thing about the Pikes. Their design is just the coolest. Yeah, I love the Pikes. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tack on. I'm like, I never saw, obviously we never saw the original episodes, but like, I would bet money that if this had aired seven years ago, all of the Pikes would have all been one model effectively. Like, oh, all the Pikes have the one helmet on, but instead we get to see them without helmets, some with, sure. like just the variation makes it so just it's so awesome to see this like the type of detail they're able to add into this show mm-hmm. um you know now that they have a little more budget or time or you know whatever the factor was our technology has advanced seven years that probably helps too yeah mm-hmm. yep yep it is uh, it's really cool to to see um also i i just like how ahsoka again she kind of can't resist being a jedi as the fortune cookie alludes to and as soon as she she finds out about the the, the she she manages to escape and she stumbles upon a an artillery room with a lot of big guns and uh, she just grabs the thermal detonators and starts planting explosives throughout the the machine the engine room so that she can take down the pikes uh, all at at once and ultimately like she does she is able to use that as a distraction. But in the process, she learns of Maul's location on Mandalore, uh, but is is quickly uh, is quickly captured. Mm-hmm. Do you think like so? We we find out we talked about how Bo-Katan ends up taking Ahsoka to Mandalore. What is the purpose of of Ahsoka discovering Maul's location as well? I think well, it's go ahead, Stephen. I just, I think it shows that, as the like the kind of uh, fortune cookie implies, like Ahsoka is still a Jedi. She like maybe not in name, but when she finds out that Maul is up to something, her reaction isn't well. That's the Jedi's problem. 
her reaction is, I need to go and see what I can do about this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, to me, that's what that kind of sequence is all about, is just Ahsoka, I don't know, uh, engaging, basically. I think it also helps because you've got the Mandalorians and Ahsoka now on the same side to go solve a problem, which is Maul on Mandalore. Yeah, I I agree with you both. I I think that Ahsoka is the kind of person that although she um, in name doesn't consider herself part of the Jedi Council, she still respects and agrees with their morals um, and upholds that as a person. And so she's always going to be the person that if she sees something bad happening is going to jump in regardless of whether it's on behalf of the Jedi or herself. And we see that again later in Rebels, you know, that she's out there on her own doing things and trying to make everything better. Um, So I think that it makes total sense that Bo would be wanting to bring Ahsoka with her to Mandalore to fix the Maul problem. Mm -hmm. And and it also gets back to, um, I mean, when you get back to the episode and you got Trace and Ahsoka and Rafa, they're in the mech bay. And, you know, Rafa at that point appears to have a change of heart. And that's when they finally find out that Ahsoka basically left the Jedi, you know, Jedi order. And I found it surprising when the two of them are just like, you can do that. But then Rafa, you know, sits here and basically tells Ahsoka that, you know what, you know, you may not think you're a Jedi, but you certainly act like one, or at least how Rafa wants the Jedi to be. And Ahsoka cannot get away from that Mm -hmm. because it appears that even though the Jedi Order has lost their way and Ahsoka feels like, or actually Ahsoka left the Jedi Order, she is basically now probably more of a Jedi than anybody within the Jedi Order are at this point. And she can't walk away from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're totally right. Uh, she, 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 I think we talked about this an episode or two ago, but I, you know, she is one of the most, she's one of the only Jedi probably that doesn't have or one of the only people in Star Wars that doesn't really have an agenda except just trying to help people. She's, you know, uh, she's she's really da- deep down. She's just a really good, really good person. She mm-hmm. she wants to do the right thing, and she doesn't really have any other agenda than to just help people. Um, so, you know, it's she's a she's such a great a great character. Yeah. Um, in this episode, we we finally get the payoff though uh between of of ahsoka's ahsoka's uh, uh her she's a jedi right trace and, and rafa find out um mostly because marg marg krim um she ahsoka tells him you know hey she, she tries to get him to not hurt trace and rafa saying that oh yeah they're they're not jedi they're they don't they don't know anything about me and of course he instantly turns that on her and as soon as Trace and Rafa show up with the spice, uh, he he basically drops this bomb on them um, that uh, 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 that they are that they're actually that Ahsoka is actually a, a Jedi, uh, and we kind of get this whole range of emotions from the surprise that she can leave a Jedi to up being upset about that Ahsoka wouldn't tell them. Uh, how did you? What thoughts on this? This this whole thing? Because to me, it seemed like it was um, not as big of a deal as I was expecting. Like they were certainly upset, but not as upset as I was expecting them to be. 
Yeah, I felt similar, honestly. Like, it just kind of... It's thrown out. We get a little bit of resolution, you know, as Tom pointed out, like, you know, the line about, you know, you're the type of Jedi that I would that I would prefer to see. But, like, other than that, there's not... The episode doesn't really give them... give Have a whole lot of time to breathe as far as what that this revelation means and how it changes their relationship. And, I mean, I suspect that's largely because, you know, we'll never see Trace and Rafa again after this episode. Like, they're... Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. I agree. It, it came off a little bit flat to me, I guess. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I felt the same way, Stephen, that it really, you know that you're not going to see those two again. So it doesn't need to go anywhere for the two of them anyway. Um, it could possibly go somewhere for Ahsoka reflecting on what they've said about her. Um, but otherwise, I mean... I think that maybe they could have at least written it a little bit better as far as how that makes Trace and Rafa feel in the moment mm-hmm. more than just surprise. Um, because, I mean, originally they said that they feel Jedi are responsible for killing their parents. So you would think they'd be more outraged and angry finding out Ahsoka's a Jedi than just, you're a what? Right. And And to be fair, like, I, I totally agree with you, Christy. Uh, to be fair, like I think that it's very possible that you know they having gotten to know Ahsoka, they realize that not all Jedi are like that. It kind of tempered their reaction a bit, but it did. It seemed just a, a little bit anticlimactic, given that they'd been building to this the whole time. And sure, they were upset at first, like why didn't you tell us? You should have told us in the prison last episode. And then um, when they when they do return to Coruscant afterward, because they. they everything explodes and they're able to escape. Um, they, uh, they immediately leave the cockpit and, and kind of walk away and, uh, and Ahsoka kind of has to follow them and try to have the discussion. And eventually they, Rafa does have that change of heart pretty quickly and tells us, tells Ahsoka that she's the Jedi. She, she wants, she, she, she is the way she wants all Jedi to be. Um, but it, I don't know, just felt hair anticlimactic. That's all. I about, it, it felt anticlimactic, but you would almost say that if there was, let's say, another season, there is that little itty bitty seed planted that at least Ahsoka left her swoop like there to where she could always go back, you know, but you know, you're never going to see these characters again. You know, we're not going to see how how much they're going to grow from this point. Um, hmm. Hold- so. Ooh, wait. No, go ahead. I just had, wait, a, just had an idea. So my, my initial assumption is, yeah, we're never going to see these characters again. But do you think we could actually see them at the end of Siege of Mandalore? If it does tie into Revenge of the Sith, and we do see Order 66, I could see her returning to Coruscant at some point, seeing the destruction of the Jedi Temple, and then maybe returning to to Trace and Rafa, and at least like getting shelter and taking her speeder and using it to fly off or something. Potentially. It's or possible. or Silver Angel could be the first ship Ahsoka takes yeah. to get off planet. So the my only issue is I It's a stretch. It would require them to be to have a multitude of episodes past episode sorry, past order sixty six. Yeah. Uh, and like I'm it's been a while since I've read the Ahsoka novel, but my recollection is 
a lot of the Ahsoka novel is her realizing she can't really stay in one place because, you know, right. wherever she stays, people get in trouble because she eventually gets found out and so on. And, like, I could certainly see, like, uh, Trace and uh, Rafa being kind of the first ones to be hurt by that. You know, Ahsoka goes and stays with them for a little bit and then, you know, stormtroopers or clone troopers come and, you know, destroy mm-hmm. the laundromat or, you know, some horrible thing. But I, st- I have trouble picturing that as being an... Ep- uh, <clears throat> like, how... I don't like I I think Siege of Mandalore really I mean we'll find out after we see it but I suspect yeah. that was meant to be the end of the Clone Wars which yeah. makes me think they were never going to come back and show Roth and Trace uh, I, th- I think if it happens it's like 30 seconds I think it's like in a montage at the end type of thing yeah I think it's one of those right, closest. yeah and I guess it's a wait and see I mean put it this way next Friday or this coming Friday uh, Season Mandalore starts, and that actually, and don't cry, but it's the last four episodes of the Clone Wars we are going to get. Oh. So sad, but I can't wait. I'm so excited about these episodes. I can't wait at all. Um, Just had to remind us, Tom. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm sorry. It's it's gloomy out here in, in you know the LA area, so it's kind of my mood right now. I don't want to be the Eeyore of the group. Oh, wait a minute, wrong podcast. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, we, we actually the one thing we didn't mention about this episode though is the 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 escape from Obadiah. Uh, we get a really cool um, chase where the Silver Angel Trace finally gets to show off her piloting skills, the skills that Rafa constantly um, you know like didn't believe and critiqued and and everything. We find out that Trace hasn't really flown all that much, but turns out she actually does a pretty decent job uh helping them escape the 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 pike ships those uh, pike ships are actually really cool i would love to figure out number one a a lego set of that or b a model kit of that because those things are really cool little ships and the silver angel's not that bad itself it just needs a better name yeah i agree, <laughs> I, agree. I mean we've got the millennium falcon and x-wings and stuff like that and then we've got the silver angel <laughs> that's exactly I mean, why trade rafa and- to be Let's be fair. If another franchise, you have no emotional connection to it, whatever. Oh, so there's this ship. It's amazing. It's so cool. It's got, it's, it's called an X wing. Cause the wings are in an X. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, one of my favorite ships of all time, but I, I would hesitate to say that the X wing is one of the coolest ship names. What's, of what's science I think it's a standard name though. The silver angel just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like let's, okay. let's be honest. Like you go X wing. You're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. Like it sounds like a standard name. No big deal. But when you're like, it's the silver angel, it's like, what? But I, to a first time pilot, who never knew she had to get a pilot's license, right? built this thing uh, by herself. Yeah, I think I could give her a little bit of leeway and say, if you want to name it the Silver Angel, I'm good with that. <laughs> and that's why both so, Rafa and Ahsoka give her so much crap for the name, yeah. which is great. <laughs> so here, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to establish my uh, bona fides here. So I, anyone who knows me is well aware that uh, naming things has never been my strong suit. Um, and I've gotten better since I was a child, but uh, I think, so I had a, a, what do you call it, a cockatiel growing up, a bird that mm-hmm. flew away and didn't like us and was mean, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, but I, being like the child that I was, every I thought things that were fast were really cool. And so I had multiple fish that were named Fast Swimmers. Like that was literally the name was Fast Swimmer. 
And the bird was Fast Flyer. Wow. So as an expert in terrible names, Silver Angel's a terrible name. <laughs> I, I recognize... And we'll about the bird later. <laughs> it's a whole other podcast. May have to start that one. Oh, boy. But, yeah, just my point is versus like the Razor Crest or the Falcon. Very true. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, it was a cool. I did like the 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 escape though, and especially like when they when the trumpets start to blare and you get the type you know the Tie Fighter attack theme from A New Hope. Yeah, it made the sequence feel very Star Warsy, which was which was nice. And 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 even like when Rafa does that deadpan, glad we could help. It, it's a nice acknowledgement that she even sees Trace's skill, uh, whereas she doubt, doubted her sister just even a skill few episodes ago. Strong word, I would say. <laughs> It's like, I mean, to be fair, Trace reminds me of your classic teenage driver who uh, you the, the, like the road that should be lined with pillows and bumpers. Like, yes, they made it out because Trace nearly caused the head on collision and assumed that she was invulnerable and no one else would crash into her, which sounds like a teenage driver. <laughs> or is just that determined to win a game of chicken. Right. True. Exactly. Very true. It's like, well, no, I'm, I'm going to win it. But you got to give her credit. So they lost the rear deflector shield. She did the proper thing. Turn around and put your front deflector shield and, you know. Hey. Except for you can transfer. In Star Wars canon, you can just transfer power to the back. So Well, keep in mind, Trace oh, built the Silver Angel, and you're making some large assumptions about her skill sets. Right. Right. And, and also realize, again, how many flights has she actually taken with no pilot's license? Even though she's probably done Sims, it's been what? She left Coruscant. She got the spice. Okay, then that that's definitely mm-hmm. one flight. Then from there to the Pike headquarter, that's two flight. Then from the Pike Pikes to go back to the spices. So probably about no less than five flights. Yeah, because I mean they they did stop at that that cool, um, uh, for lack of a better word, space gas station uh, where they were trying to make the decision <laughs> to go get the spice. That's uh, true. Which I thought so was really six cool. Flights. Yeah. yeah, six flights. Um, so, but you yeah. know, too, I like that they showed made a point to show the targeting computer. Yes. Mm-hmm. That made me happy. Yes, great call out. That was that was really And actually uh, the, the the design of a lot of this episode was really cool. Like I loved how the prison cell door unlocks and like the the red lasers go you know, the mm-hmm. uh, on the door the door panel. Uh really neat. Um just looked, looked really beautiful. Uh and you got to give credit to the explosions. The explosions looked great. Yeah. Mark mm-hmm. Krim's throne room was surprisingly uh, simple, given the how ornate the rest of the place was. Uh, but but you know what? I think that works yeah. because how it, it would it, if you have two very complex designs, they're going to fight each other. Yeah. So you'd want to have something simple to bring out the complex design of the Pikes. And Marge Krim, again, I think his character design because. I know they're his eyes, but it looks like he's wearing like sunglasses the way the thing's designed around him <laughs> and that whole thing around his head just is is I love the pikes, man. They are yeah. so cool designed. Thank you for that point out about the eyes. It looks like he's wearing like 2000s shiny yeah. sunglass lenses. Oh, oh, definitely. But it I looks mean, cool. It's so cool. Yeah. He's very special eyes. They require special contacts, you know, look. It's, yeah. it's all and he has some great well, lines too, like how unfortunate that your stupidity is so authentic. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. 
Oh, it was so great. It was so great. Um, but but yeah, so they they get back to they get back to Coruscant, and thankfully the Martez sisters, because now Mark Crum thinks they're working for the Jedi, uh, they're safe from reprisals, and that's when Bo Katan and, and Ursa Wren finally show up. We talked about them at the beginning of the episode, but I was surprised they didn't. They they mostly spent the episode just watching uh, what was going on. But maybe they didn't want to get, maybe they didn't want to get involved. And it wasn't until they, the the Silver Angel left Obadiah that the Mandalorians and their their Gauntlet fighter kind of followed them through the uh, through space in a very um, scene that felt a lot like Boba Fett following the Millennium Falcon in Empire. Yep. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, so so Bo-Katan shows up and she recruits Ahsoka and it's, you know, it's the, it's Trace and Rafa that are the ones who encourage Ahsoka to go in and help. Um, uh, you know, in particular the Ahsoka's line about how, if she goes down this path, she's afraid where it will lead. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess she's still hesitant. It sounds like she knows this elite that this will take her back to the Jedi, but that she doesn't really want to go back. Is that the impression you all get? I think so. I mean, it, it lead or it's uh, in line with what we see of her in uh, Rebels, where she very much does not consider herself to be a Jedi, even though in spirit she certainly is. Um, but I think that that fits what, how she's feeling here. Of you know, she doesn't want to go back to the Jedi, even though she's clearly acting in like you know in the way that the best Jedi do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think her issue is that probably how any of us would feel if you went through what she went through, being blamed for something that wasn't her fault by people she thought she could always trust. I don't know that she will ever forgive them. Hmm. And so I think that's the thing where she's saying, I'm afraid of where this will lead. She's still, although she's still wants to be a good person, she doesn't want to go back to being part of the Jedi council. Mm -hmm. And she may not even be wanting to face Anakin again, because she'll feel guilty for leaving, even though she felt it was the right choice for herself. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's something that, you know, when it came to these four episodes, think of it this way. They all had to lead Ahsoka to this point. She's done her walkabout. She's had her experience away from the Jedi Council, experience away from Anakin. But in some way, somehow, because of her background, because of who she is, she will always circle back to somehow being connected to the Jedi Order. And she's going to have to somehow deal with that going forward. Especially as, Stephen, you mentioned earlier, when it comes to the books, the Ahsoka book, it is true. She's always on the run because it's always because it's the Jedi order. And regardless if she feels she's a Jedi or not, it's still something that's there because she just cannot walk away from being a version of a Jedi. It's who she is. Question, question for you guys. Now that we've discussed the episode, what do you think the title refers to? Because it, it's not Anakin and Ahsoka that who our original assumption from the, the the title or from a couple you know from last week who, who is i actually have no idea now that we you like i hadn't thought about it but as soon as you asked the question I'm like i 
don't know. I was thinking like, at this point that it meant Ahsoka and Bo. Okay, I'm going to try and go existential on this one. Maybe, maybe it's referring to Ahsoka basically coming to the realization that regardless of who she wants to be and who she is, that part of her, of being the Jedi that she walked away from, is now, you can't, you can't. So basically, she has to be, again, a Jedi. So basically, she's together again. With the Jedi. It's, Interesting. Well, not not so much with the Jedi, but with that part of her that she tried to walk away from for being a Jedi. So it's basically more of a personal thing to where she tried to split herself to walk away from being a Jedi, but the Jedi, but she can't leave it. So she's basically whole again. Interesting. Yeah, the, the only thing that comes to mind is, you know, you could argue that the relationship of Rafa, Trace, and Ahsoka has been broken over the past couple of episodes. And mm-hmm. at the end of it, they are together again and that their relationship is okay. But I, even that feels a little bit like a stretch to me. So I don't, I don't feel too good with that answer. I, I think the obvious answer is that the, the Pikes are together again with their, <laughs> with with Ma- their uh, spice. <laughs> you have a good point. It's Mark, Mark Krim was only... not sliced in half by Maul, uh, so his body body parts are together again. God, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go again back to the the Jedi. Read the read the Jedi fortune cookie again, to where you can change who you are, but you cannot run from yourself. Yeah, that to me I think basically is saying that now Ahsoka, because of this little walkabout, she she left the Jedi Order as a broken person. Okay, and now she's done this walkabout. She's come to the realization that, you know, let's say she's not broken, but she can't walk away from that half that she tried to get away from. So now she's basically the whole person again. She's herself again. So, so she's, she's together again, put together again. Yes. Like I said, I'm trying to get existential it. on this one. Cause that's, that's the only thing I can figure is it has to, it has to do with Ahsoka. I wonder if it's just not a holdover from the original script. Since, like, obviously these these have been changed. Like, for instance, um, you know, Rafa and and Trace were not even the original characters, right? Uh, mm-hmm. that, that were in it. So I'm wondering if it's just not a holdover from what it originally was. Interesting. That's possible. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, actually, um, you. Th- Nice segue there. Um, I looked up the uh, so in the in the concept art they do have the original production numbers for the episodes, and uh, the Bad Batch. Uh, uh, sorry, um, the this this arc uh, was going to be this this pr- last week's episode was going to be episode six oh five, in uh, so it was fifth episode of season six. So it was going to be one of the first arcs after she leaves the Jedi. Um, mm. So it sounded like there would have been a two-episode arc to kick off the season, followed by uh, followed by the Ahsoka's walkabout arc, and then uh, only after that would they have gone uh, into um, uh, the Bad Batch arc, which would have ended in see uh, unfinished business was going to be six twelve, so uh, so there would have been uh, Ahsoka's walkabout, some other arc. Um and then, and then the bad batch. So yeah. you know, it's actually bad batch always came it's second. interesting. Uh, 
I bet you this arc was actually farther along when they were doing the Netflix series, uh, Clone Wars, like the Lost mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. And they probably didn't release it because can you imagine if the Lost episodes had ended anything remotely like what these episodes ended with? Like you end with Bo-Katan and a tease of the like Siege of Mandalore. No, you can't do that. Which, oh, yeah. which you then, which you then can't go to because, of course, those are that's clearly the season finale would have been probably not nearly as far along. Like it's interesting that you had to release this episode, these this arc with the Siege of Mandalore arc. There was no other way to do it without either gutting the episode, like the last two episodes of some mm-hmm. of the like, I don't know, the finale of it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't think would have worked. So it's, yeah, it's, I'm not surprised it was at the beginning of the season, but it, it, I'm sure it led to some very interesting problems they had to try and solve. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Also, along those lines, from a production standpoint, uh, interestingly, this is the first episode uh, directed entirely by one of the newer directors, uh, Nathaniel uh, Villanueva, uh, as well as uh, Saul Ruiz, uh, who, who did a lot of. Um, uh, Star Wars Resistance and I believe Rebels as well, um, but uh, but you know all the previous arc episodes in this arc and in the Bad Batch, they the both the original directors and and, and writers and the newer ones because they didn't it's, look they didn't bring the writers back it sounds like but everyone got like co credit uh, with the newer the new people brought on being uh, credited first and uh, this one was entirely. Um, directed by uh, Nathaniel Villanueva. So uh, really interesting to see kind of just how far along this episode would have gotten. They clearly hadn't even done enough that the original director would have gotten credit, credit which presumably would have been Brian Kalen, uh, uh, Brian Kalen O'Connell, mm-hmm. given the pattern that they were following, whereas they kind of, they kind of kept rotating between Kyle Dunleavy, Stewart, um, Lee, Bosco Ng, and then uh, Brian Kalen O'Connell. They just kept rotating through the directors. If you look at the pattern uh, through the the later seasons, um, so yeah, kind of interesting. Just to, again to see like from a production standpoint how far they may have gotten. Uh, I'm sure they got somewhere through it. I don't know exactly what the rules are on how, what percentage of an episode you have to work on in order to get have be credited, but interesting to see. And I will add, too, I think that this episode was the strongest of this arc. Mm -hmm. But that, in general, the arc was not as strong as the Bad Batch arc. Like, I just wanted to see, from the first three episodes in this arc, more story for Ahsoka. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. So let me ask you, Christy, like... I don't know. On a scale of say one to ten, Wamparats, how did you? <laughs> how would where would you put this episode if you, you know you had ratings. to give a rating to it? <laughs> Make him go segue. first. <laughs> I thank you. I thought it was very subtle. Um, just for this episode, not the arc, right? Yeah. Yeah, just the episode. Okay. Um, yeah, for this episode, I would give it a. Six out of ten Womp Rats. And um, I'm going to have my Womp Rats be assisting with the guns in that artillery room. Nice. (laughs) Those are big guns for those Womp Rats to carry. Yeah. I mean, Womp Rats are two meters long. Yeah, they really got to work together. So, yeah. 
But I, you know, I, I did want to give it the credit. I feel like it deserves for giving some more on um, Ahsoka's feelings with arguing with herself about she being afraid of where this is going, but still wanting to do the right thing um, and really jumping in and putting herself in harm's way to protect Trace and Rafa. And I, and I love how they tie together this with Solo and Rebels and then what we'll possibly see in the next season of Mandalorian in this episode. I think that that was awesome. And then having, you know, Bo-Katan and everything. So I felt like, it, like I said, it was strong, stronger than some of the others that we've seen. So, um, yeah, I, you know, the only drawbacks I would say would be Trace and Rafa arguing a lot and not having a real purpose. Mm-hmm. I'll get that. St- Steven, what oh. would you give this episode? So I'd, I think I've given all of these episodes kind of a, a six and a half Womp Rats through and through. I And this is where, like, we don't, I don't normally do, like, quarter Womp Rats. So I think I'm going to give this one a, uh, just a clean seven out of ten Womp Rats. And that, I, again, I think it was the strongest of the four episodes that made up this arc. Um, but it, it really is just a kind of same sort of episode like same sort of thing of i can i can appreciate for what they were going for but it i do wish it was as good as say the bad batch arc or as good as i hope the mandalorian arc was um and i'll i think you called out the right thing chrissy like some of the tie-ins they did either to maul or to you know forward looking to siege and mandalore or hopefully the even mandalorian i think are things that helped elevate the episode a little bit above the other ones um, which makes me feel a little bit better about, you know, giving a, just a clean seven this time. Um, and as for my seven Womp Rats, um, so obviously Mark Krim is going to have a lot of explaining to do once Maul finds out that he had Ahsoka and then let them go. But as you know, Mark Krim's he's a, a crafty individual. He didn't get to the top of the Pike Syndicate just by, you know, taking credit for bad things and then getting killed. Uh, so he's going to send seven Womp Rats to deliver the bad news to Maul, and, you know, Maul will take out his anger on, uh, you know, appropriate underlings and leaving Mark Krim to continue doing business as needed. Good one. Thanks. Tom? Well, I kind of went back and looked at my ratings for the other episodes, and I I was all over the place. I gave eights for some. This one, I'm going to do it. I'm giving this was a 7.5. I enjoyed the episode. I actually enjoyed the arc for what it was. Um, I'm just going to leave it there. So I'm going to take my 7.5 Womp Rats. And the the one thing you guys didn't see is when the Martez sisters went back to go get the second batch of Spice, they um, they kind of had a little help from like 7.5 Womp Rats, or actually eight Womp Rats in reality, um, to kind of get the Spice back on to the uh, Silver Angel. But... That one Womp Rat, see, when when Rafa was fighting that Trandoshan, one Womp Rat was trying to help. And when Rafa kind of let the little platform go and when she stomped on the thing, that's where the other half of the Womp Rat went. <laughs> it's uh, unfortunate for the Womp Rat. Yeah, I know. So anyway, <laughs> long way to get there. Uh, Michael, how would you like to go next? Oh, man. You know, I think when you look back at, I mean, we're at seven seasons of uh, the Clone Wars now. And, you know, you look at the episodes and this is definitely one of them. You know, Um, I I think you really have to ask yourself not just how many Womp Rats, but, you know, 
ask yourself about the Womp Rats themselves. Like, who are they? What's their story? You know, and not get so concerned about numbers and such other other things like that. You know, it's it's really about the journey. It's about the 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 friends that you make along the way. That's that's the story. <laughs> okay, so how many of the Womp Rats are part of that story? And what possibly oh, again, happened to them? Again. Again, it's you know the the thing is with with the with the womp rats. It's I, I, you you can't get hung up on numbers, okay. and uh, you okay. know you really got to You got to really more. I, I mean, it's it's really about that journey. It's about I'll the. That. It's more of an existential thing, you know. Gotcha. Okay, I'll accept that. <laughs> so, would you say, Michael? It's maybe fair to say, like at the beginning of the journey, there were certainly ten womp rats, and we're not really sure how many womp rats were at the end. It could be ten. Could be zero. It could be anywhere in between. But it's yeah, really. I mean, just, it's, it's like, yeah, okay. it's, it's like that Schrodinger's cat thing. You know, sometimes, sometimes the cat is there and sometimes it's not. Okay. And we'll it's never really, know until we, uh, and we'll never know. Open the podcast. And, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. At Michael, would you say that the Womp Rats were together again? Is this the meaning of together again? That the, they were on a journey together? I, I think that's. I, I, Only you as the viewer can really decide that. Okay. Uh, well, okay, so William. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think overall, I think this, this arc was a, a necessary step in getting to the siege of Mandalore. And I think it, it adds some additional uh, flavor to Ahsoka and her decisions and, and gets her to where we need her to be um, in, in siege of Mandalore. You know, I, 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 you know, looking back at the arc as a whole, I really enjoyed how they we got to see more of the Pikes, uh, and we saw them a little bit in Clone Wars. Um, you know, I, I feel like we got a, a lot more of them now. Uh, obviously, having seen them in Solo as well, uh, it was really cool. And and, and so it's getting more of Kessel, more of Obadiah. I, I liked all of that. Um, you know, and I think the dynamic between uh, the sisters really worked best when they were kind of on their own, and Rafa was kind of realizing. Uh, that you know maybe Ahsoka's not so bad, uh, and and so that was that was nice to see as well. Um, you know, ultimately this is this is a means of getting our characters to the siege of Mandalore. Um, I I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the you know the the journey was fun. I think there was a lot of great uh, beautiful set pieces, uh, great action. Um, you know, it, it was cool to see the the tongues now it took took a little while to to recognize them at first because they're almost so elongated um uh but to see the tongues in uh, in the clone wars and I, I know that was a long time running joke on you know people wanted to see uh ben quaternaris in the clone wars so we we didn't see him but we saw the tongues um you know and so this has just been a I don't know. It's 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 a it's a fun episode. I'm I'm really excited to see what happens next, though. I think that's where I'm really, uh, really can't wait to to see. But you know, it. I liked how they're incorporating bits of solo and and everything else. So overall, I'm gonna give this uh, seven and a half Womp Rats. Uh, actually, like exactly like Tom, uh, do seven and a half Womp Rats um, out of ten. And my seven and a half Womp Rats. Well, um, the trace and and rafa they stole they did steal the spice from from the pikes but they never got to pay them right um i'm i'm, I'm hoping they they weren't stupid enough to, to take the 
spice off of their ship and into Mark Krem before everything blew up. So in theory, they have a, a giant hold full of spice on the silver angel. Um, so they're, they're actually rich now. Uh, and so they, they hired seven and a half womp rats. Don't ask why they hired a half womp rat, uh, or how that works, uh, to help them out running the space laundromat. See, I thought you were going to go a completely different direction. Why am I either going to say, like, there's a seven and a half womp rats that are about to have a really good time? Oh, I actually, <laughs> that. William, I, I, I know how. So imagine, you know, like when you stick your, you go to the laundromat, you stick your um, clothes in, in those like forward facing dryers or, uh, or washers. There's actually another like uh, bin basically on that other side. And then the womp rat just starts running and that's what starts spinning it. (laughs) Powering the dryer. Yep. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Good one. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, hang on. Here's my here's my other idea. We don't like spice has a lot of uses in you know the Star Wars galaxy. We know it can use for medicine. We know it can use for you know illicit substances. Uh, little known fact also makes an excellent uh, like laundry detergent. So the the uh, Martez sisters are good to go for their laundromat for you know the next couple of months. It's really a very nice. Very expensive laundry detergent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want the quality stuff, William, of course, you gotta you gotta put out. They don't call it liquid gold for nothing. <laughs> so on that note, it so bad. <laughs> yes, oh they just have a lot of dirty clothes, and they just yeah, they were desperate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh god. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So on on that note, um, you know, we'll, we'll coming up on Ion Cannon, we have the Clone Wars season seven, episode nine, old friends not forgotten. The uh, the start of the Siege of Mandalore arc. In this episode, Anakin and Obi-Wan must decide whether to help Ahsoka or pursue Maul, help Ahsoka pursue Maul or rescue Palpatine. Ooh. Hmm. Uh, What's he going to do? I have no idea. That makes me Ooh, think... Misa don't know. That <laughs> makes me think that we may see more of Revenge of the Sith than we are expecting. Uh, or this is the last episode for Anakin and Obi-Wan. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the rest of the of Revenge of the Sith will be seen through Ahsoka's eyes. Yeah, uh, we already probably... saw. Sorry, Christy. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Because uh, we already saw some of that Revenge of the Sith Anakin at the last episode of Bad Batch for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. Yeah. W- w- will this be the beginning of the Battle of, of Coruscant? We'll find out. Um, but it's very Stay interesting, tuned. and uh, uh, definitely. Uh, the yeah, very very excited to see this. The episode title for the uh, the next episode. I won't say it, um, but uh, I I think they're going for a very fun and unique uh, style. So with that, uh, Michael and Christy, thanks for joining us. This was fun talking with you as always. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. Um, do you uh, want to tell people where they can uh, find you online and uh, listen to your shows? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And I do a couple of shows. My uh, Star Wars related show, of course, is Sabres and Spells, as mentioned earlier, which I do with my friend Teresa Delgado. Uh, it's on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network. And then I also do a show with my friend Matt Rushing once a week called the 602 Club, where we cover um, 
film, TV, and book reviews. Awesome. That was Very just cool. on the podcast two weeks ago. I think yeah. Two weeks ago. So, yeah, it was fun. Uh, no, it's always always great. Uh, Michael, you, you do uh, the MandoCast. I do, which you can uh, just find over on Twitter at the MandoCast. Um, in fact, the see it'd be at this point probably the second to last episode you were on and we were talking about clone wars but older clone wars and uh we went back to i keep wanting to call it mandalore lost um (laughs) (laughs) uh, but no the mandalore plot uh so yeah going through talking about uh, you know all, all of the the things that are building up that are tying in with the Mandalorian back during the the Clone Wars, and then of course once we get through Clone Wars, we'll be then moving on to Rebels. Yeah, so cool. it was it was so much fun to be on. So thanks for thanks for having me, and you, you do such a great job over there. Um, but yeah, so if, if those of you who haven't checked, go check out those all those podcasts. It's always fun to have uh, all of our friends and fellow podcasters on the show uh, to talk about Star Wars. It's always a good time. Uh, and uh, but yeah, that, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with our review of Old Friends Not Forgotten with the start of the Siege of Mandalore. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.